Welcome to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. My name is Emma Sue Prince, and this podcast is based on the internationally selling book by the same name. This book focuses on seven important skills. They are adaptability, critical thinking, empathy, integrity, being proactive, being optimistic, and being resilient. And this podcast is all about how you can bring these skills into your everyday life so that you are living a life full of happiness, full of purpose, great relationships, doing work that you love, and just really getting the most out of life. Welcome back to Seven Skills for the Future podcast and to our current series called Emerging. And I'm talking to artists, to singers, to musicians, performers, actors, songwriters, all sorts of people within these creative industries, because I feel that these professions have been so badly hit by the pandemic. And I know that people from these industries really have got a lot to teach us all about adaptability and about thriving um, in uncertain times. Um, and also because I think, I believe that it's the artists and the performers who actually um, in the past have often depicted turbulent times in our history. And I think it's no different now with the pandemic. So I'm, I'm really excited in this series to be talking to such a great range of really interesting people. And in between the interviews, I'm going to be highlighting some of the skills that our wonderful interviewees will be talking about and explain how you too can take these kinds of tips and ideas and draw on them for your for your own life. So today I'm talking to Francesca Peplo, who's an actor. Francesca, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Lovely to have you with us. So could you first of all um, tell our listeners a bit more about you and what you do? Absolutely. Um, so I've lived most of my life in the Guildford area, apart from a, a brief stint in Warwickshire um, when I was younger. And my first love was ballet, really. Um, and I spent most of my childhood and teenage years doing ballet about six days a week. Um, however, I also did some musical theatre at what was very new at the time, um, which was the Guildford School of Acting Saturday School. In fact, I was there on the very first day it opened and there was only a few of us and now it's a huge, a huge great thing. And I sort of began to discover musical theatre and maybe that I would be more suited to that than ballet. Um, I probably didn't have the genetics in terms of feet and nice flat turnout for ballet. Um, so but I was better suited there. And then at 18, I went and did a uh, BA honours degree at the Guildford School of Acting in Musical Theatre. Um, so I kind of progressed through that, which was great. Uh, and then I graduated in 2013, which seems an awfully long time ago now. Um, and I've worked as an actor and also worked a bit as a dancer and a bit as a writer since then. And then I was on the Mousetrap, the Agatha Christie show, um, the UK and Ireland tour of that, when sadly our dear theatre shut in March 2020 because of the COVID pandemic. Um, and now I am actually training as a physiotherapist. Um, so oh, I'm adding wow. another, yeah, I'm adding another string to my bow. Um, so I'm hoping that I, when, you know, our glorious entertainment industry is back up and running, mm. that I'll be able to run both alongside each other or both together. And that yeah. will make a really, a really nice future. Yes, yes. Okay, so 
let's just think back now to the beginning of 2020. Um, so I don't know about you, but I kind of got to the end of 2019 and I kind of thought, oh, 2020, you know, new decade, it's exciting, uh, significant, um, which of course it, it, it has turned out to be very significant. Um, but for you, you know, you were you, you, saying just now that you were um, in the mousetrap. So, so what was happening at the beginning of 2020 for you before everything so, kicked off? <laughs> the beginning of 2020 was an unbelievably exciting year for me. I'd waited a long time to do a show as well established as the mousetrap. And we had a really lovely company and we started rehearsals on the 6th of January, but we knew quite early. I think I knew as far back as sort of late September that I'd been cast in it. So I had all this time mm. at the end of 2019 to look forward to it. And I was able to pack in my day jobs and it was all so exciting. And we set off on the road and we had a, a wonderful time. And you know, despite what happened with the COVID pandemic, it will still always be a lovely memory of a wonderful show and a wonderful mm -hmm. company of people. And yeah, so we got to, we'd been going a few weeks. We started touring towards the end of January and then we were in Leicester and this, this has really stuck with me. And it's when Broadway shut and someone Ooh. else from the cast came into our dressing room and went, Broadway's just gone dark. Went, oh. oh my goodness so it was you just couldn't imagine Broadway closing no no <laughs> um and then so we got through the Leicester week and there was to be honest we didn't think we were going to be shutting um it was we were meant to be going to Ireland a couple of weeks later and that was all starting to look a bit uncertain it was like oh well maybe we just won't go to Ireland but the tour will mm -hmm. carry on of course the tour will carry on naive as we are naive as we were back then and then we went from Leicester to Aylesbury and the Monday night at about six o'clock Boris Johnson went on the news and said everything is shutting so oh. it was sad that we never got our we never knew when our last show was and I think that was a, initially a hard thing is that we mm -hmm. never got kind of any closure on it it's just on that Monday night we all basically just stopped everyone yes. got told to stop getting ready and we didn't know if we had a job the next day or the next month or the next year. And, and that was all very strange. Like the drive home mm. Tuesday morning was, I think, probably one of the strangest drives home I've ever done. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Such a shock as well, I think. I mean, apart from anything else, I think just the concept of all the theatres closing, it's very kind of, it's very kind of poignant, isn't it? It's like, because no one has any reference, you know, yeah. of reference for that. So, you know, I, I remember going into London um, some months later and really feeling sad at seeing all the shut theatres because I've never seen that in my life, you know. No, um, exactly. And especially a show like The Mousetrap that's been running for decades yeah. and decades and decades. I mean, it's just in nobody's living memory. Can they no. not remember that show being <laughs> on, essentially? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, yes. And yeah, so that was... That was really bizarre. Although I do think it taught, we were, one of the things about touring is that you end up in a quite a bubble and particularly with the mousetrap because it's quite a small cast, which is lovely. But it did, I think, teach me that you need to be more aware of the outside world at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it wouldn't have been such a shock, but we were almost living in this little protected bubble yeah. of the theatre and we thought it couldn't touch us. Yes, yes, yes. So um, what happened after that? So I know that you said that you've 
started retraining in something else. But what you know, what what else was going on at the time? So, you know, what happened after you had to then stop doing what you were doing? Oh yeah. So this was a re- this was the strangest time, I think. So we got home, and then we all got made redundant on the Tuesday evening. Oh. And then yeah, so that was that was a a killer of a day to be honest. And then it was like, well, what what are we gonna what am I gonna do? I mean, I was very lucky that I could come back and live with my parents, and my brother mm. actually moved home the same day out of London. Um, so in that sense, I was a lot more fortunate than a lot of other actors who suddenly had nowhere to live. Um, and then. Then it was a strange time because there was essentially no work in the creative industries at all. Um, I previously worked as a dance and drama teacher and that went out the window because all the schools shut. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it was all a bit of a shock. Um, and on top of that, I was shielding because I'm a severe asthmatic, which probably half of my colleagues, if they listen to this, will never have realised. But um, suddenly mm-hmm. that was a thing during COVID as well. Um, and beyond kind of everything so I really wanted to help when you were seeing the news you know like, oh I really I really want to do mm. something um and I, you know how can I make people's lives better so I actually applied to work for the test and trace program mm-hmm. um so after a couple of months of being out of work in sort of the end of March and April I started working for test and trace in May and that took me around till September um when I started on my physio course and in all in all there I applied and interviewed for a physiotherapy course which was a bit bonkers um and it was a bit of a leap of faith to be honest because at one point we were told the mousetrap was going back on tour Mm -hmm. starting in September um but I applied anyway just in case because I talked to my agent and they're lovely and um she said, my gut instinct is this may not happen. Mm-hmm. So just plan for yeah. the worst. Yes. Um, so she actually had two of us on the tour. So um, it, was, it was quite good because we had a little bit more support, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. but Test and Trace was, I don't, at least it felt like you were helping. I'm not sure everyone I spoke to on the phone felt that I was helping. But <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I, I mean, and, and such a sort of, complete change from from acting I mean yeah it couldn't be no different could it really and and why did you choose physiotherapy um so I think my kind of initial beginnings as a dancer were probably the link um I actually did very academic uh qualifications at school up to the end of A level and all my family are scientists so oh, okay. um, the kind of <laughs> I've always been a bit of the odd one out and the one thing I did miss about when I've been in a show is kind of the that like academic side of my life okay um so it felt like a natural kind of progression towards fulfilling that academia Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's very relevant to what I do and I'd really like to you know when I qualify to be able to treat dancers and actors and performers okay I can see the link now all right yeah yeah um so, so when you look back over this past year, um, what would you say were, I mean, you've described already a little bit, but if we just talk a little bit more about what would you say were some of the main setbacks for you? So these could be, you know, personal, they could be related to mental health, they could be related to just, you know, practical things. What would you say those those were? 
What I think <laughs> initially the just the disappointment was mm. the hardest part for something you'd worked for for such a long time and it felt like we were just settling into the tour it yeah. takes a while with and with any show and and we were meant to be touring till the end of November so there was a long time left and to lose that all of a sudden was mm. it was a really difficult and, and I actually found it quite difficult for a few weeks and on top of that the uncertainty of are we going back are we not are the mm. theatres reopening are they not um that was hard when because originally it was oh well we'll delay by a month, we'll delay by two months, we'll delay by three months. Yes. Um, so that that I found quite difficult to deal with, the uncertainty. And then like, just from a kind of like, physical point of view, I found shielding hard. Mm. Like having gone from moving around the country to a new city every week to suddenly, I live in a very small village in the Surrey Hills. It, mm. It's arguably not even a village. <laughs> to not, so basically all I did was walk my dog on my own away from other people um and that was just socially so challenging yeah because I think most actors are quite sociable um humans yes Um, Yes. (laughs) even if even if they're not the life and soul of the party which is definitely not me in any way Mm. shape or form but Mm. you know just like enjoy quiet conversation or you know the Mm. whole nature of what we do is with people so to not have people was very very yes strange kind of feeling um so yeah but I've I've been really lucky because I think my initial worry with shielding was like oh like how are other people in the industry going to perceive it are they going to perceive it as being weak or unreliable and actually one of my agents is shielding too for a a different reason and she was like I don't feel vulnerable at all (laughs) so um that actually really helped um, yeah. and that we had some common ground and she was like I know she was like I know that you you don't feel like a vulnerable person and you're being sent all these messages and it's all over the news and that potentially isn't necessarily always although it's done with the best of like intent to protect people I think that that I certainly don't feel like a nor- I don't normally feel like a vulnerable person yes. at all so that was yeah. a strange label to suddenly yeah. be yeah. attached um, yeah with. yeah how, how long were you shielding for like that um, so I basically didn't leave my village until shielding ended in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely helped once I started working on Test and Trace because I was working at 40 hours plus yeah. a week. So <laughs> it didn't really matter. Didn't have yeah. anywhere else to go anyway. Um, and then there's obviously, there was a period in November and then we're back to it now. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of come and gone, but I'm very lucky. I've had a vaccine now, so mm. I'm feeling incredibly lucky. Yeah. Um, feeling and lucky. that the, the hope of some normal life yeah. is on the horizon. Yes. Yes. Ah, oh. so what would you say, um, if, you know, if you had to choose three things that really helped you through that time. So these could be skills it could be personal qualities that you have or didn't realize that you had um what would those three things be I think the first is that I'm an inherently optimistic person mm-hmm. um and that I still had a lot you know I love my job as an actor I wouldn't change it for the world I can't wait to get back to it once the theatre's open and I'm qualified as a physio but there are other things to look for in life other than work and I have a wonderful family and I've been able to make, do, take advantage of other opportunities I never would have been able to do. I would never have taken 
this amount of time out if the mm-hmm. theatres had been open to train as a physio and you know I got to spend more time with my family this year than I ever would have done so in that sense like there are a lot of really good things about it as well as obviously the awful awful mm-hmm. side of the pandemic um I think I'm also quite compassionate and I hope that's going to make me a good physio as well as a good actor um and and working on test and trace I hope helped other people but it also really helped me Mm-hmm. And we had a lovely virtual team and actually we're still all in contact and some people are still working for Test and Trace and other people have gone off to do other things. Yeah. Um, and and that was a really nice, it was a really good focus and it was a really good focus on the world bigger than your own personal yes, worries. Absolutely. I think what you say is really important because by throwing yourself into something like that, which as you say was 40 hours a week, probably doing some, you know, I guess involved making lots of phone calls yeah. and completely different to anything you're doing. But in a way, as you say, it takes the focus off yourself um, and actually helps you, helps you to kind of get through and function and feel yeah. you have a purpose and all that kind of thing. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I mean, certainly for me and my personality, if I sit about worrying about something, I go round and round and round in circles and become more worried about it than if I yeah. was busy and cracking on. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, a new skill that I've kind of discovered about myself, though, during this is that I'm actually braver than I ever thought I was. Um, mm-hmm. I would never have put myself down as a brave person. I'd be like, oh, no, that's for someone else. But almost the kind of push of COVID and the urgency of having to do something yes. made me kind of go for things I never would have done in the past. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know, it made me believe I was a lot more capable of things than... I realised, I guess, yeah. which I guess in adversity, you either sink or swim. And, and hopefully mm. it taught me that actually mm. you can be a little bit braver. Yeah. I mean, I think we are actually a lot more resilient than we think we are. And maybe we just don't see that until we're going through something that's quite challenging. And then we have to kind of dig it out of ourselves somehow. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that's exactly the case. It's like, it's almost like kind of like fight or flight that you've got to do something and what and yeah. what are you going to do yeah yeah and you know how, how do you feel I mean obviously you've not been able to do any acting um but do you feel that your work as an actor will will be influenced by this whole experience in some way and if so how what would that look like do you think I think it will be massively influenced um I've been Luckily that I haven't had any like proper work, although I've had a few um, online auditions, which have been a fun experience. <laughs> um, but Dan Phillips, who was the assistant director on the Rocky Horror Show tour, started a play reading group in the first lockdown. Oh. And, and this is what I mean about being a bit brave, because I kind of asked if I could join in. I never would have done that before. Um, mm. And he was like, yeah, of course. And we read some really interesting plays and he didn't cast them according to your normal casting, which was great. So like, men played women and women played men and you played older and younger characters and it meant I got to read some things I never ever would have got to before Mm. and it pushed me a little bit just it just pushed me out of my comfort zone because normally I get cast as quite like young and happy and optimistic and all that kind of all those that kind of bracket and suddenly I was reading these like much darker or gritty or comedy or anything like that and it was it was just really great. I was like, oh, hang on, I've got a lot more skills than I thought I did. And it yeah. gives you a bit of confidence, I think, 
I, in a strange way, I'm more confident coming out of COVID than I was going in. Um, and I think, I don't know, maybe you get it in perspective a bit as well. It's very mm. easy to think the next audition is, you know, the most important thing in the world. And realistically, it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I think perspective is a, a wonderful thing. And, mm. and, and that actually can give you some confidence mm. um, going into a situation. Um, yeah, it helps, I think it helps value yourself maybe a bit. Yes, yes. Oh, confidence is is is, is massive, and I, and I, and I guess as you say, you know, you 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 boost your confidence when you do things that you might not normally do. It yeah. actually gives you a big boost. So, so, do you think that going forward, um, when you can eventually um, audition for things and go for things, do you think that you know, do you think you'll go for different sorts of things? Do you think you'll try out other things? Yeah, I think I'll just. I tell you, I think what I do is I'll just be a bit braver about knocking on doors that I didn't think were open. Um, And actually, the industry in general has been quite good during COVID, I think. Like a lot of casting directors particularly who, whether they were or whether it was just the perception, were quite closed door. It was quite hard to access a conversation with them. And suddenly those doors have been opened to people. And I don't know, maybe you just see them as just, they're just human like us. <laughs> um, and they've got a job to do and we've got a job to do. And maybe you're just a bit braver about mm. kind of saying, look, actually, I think I'd be really good for this. Or ringing your agent and saying, look, I know this is coming up and I know this isn't my normal thing, but actually, I, I really think I would do it well. Like, mm. is there any way you can make a phone call? Um, or even just like, I would love to do a show where I could work as an actor and a physio on the same show. Yes, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, and, and there are plenty of shows out there um, that require, you know, a physio or someone. Yeah. If, if they're very heavy, like dance-based or puppetry mm-hmm. or anything like that. And so maybe like just being a bit proactive and saying, look, do you know what? I fit in a really unique category now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And could we have a conversation about where I might fit in in your next yeah. show? Yeah. And, and actually, you know, um, prior to speaking to you, I would never have put physiotherapy and acting in the same box. It just wouldn't have occurred to me. But now it kind of like, now it's like, it makes total sense. It's just like, well, of yeah. course, of course you're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was I was so lucky my agent understood the connection like straight away. She just didn't think I'd lost the plot. Um, so, yeah, she was super supportive. She was like, I totally get why this is a good idea. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. yeah, no, I, I, think, I think it really will be. But like you say, I think it's quite unique. Yes, yes. But I can see that that being something, you know, that that will make you stand out. That will be a kind of unique selling point for you. <laughs> so, what yeah, do you hopefully, because it is, I, I, it is hard to stand out sometimes as an actor, yeah. particularly as has been pointed out to me many times as a like female actor in their twenties with long brown hair. <laughs> like it's hard. It's hard sometimes to stand out from all the other thousands of people. Right. Um, and actually about fi- finding your unique qualities are really important. And, and maybe this is mine. We shall see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because of course, I mean, when, when I think about acting, the acting profession, I 
all I can think of is that it's just so competitive. Yeah. You know, there must be so many people going for the same audition. And... Oh, yeah. I mean, just uh, ridiculous numbers sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean... I mean, everything that you imagine in terms of the numbers is is true, essentially. Um, and, and there are things that set you apart within that experience and have you met them before and who your agent is and all that kind of stuff. But telling something truly unique is hard. Um, and I think maybe COVID has pushed, mm. progressively pushed me to really discover what that is. Yes. Um, so in the long term, I think it, it could be a really good thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see, as you say. So um, what do you think? I mean, you've talked about a couple of things about you as a person and that, you you know, you discovered, for example, that you're you're braver than you thought. You know, what, what, what else would you say you've learned about yourself as a person over this time period? Um, I think it's about, I've just learned I'm a lot more adaptable and versatile mm. than, I mean, it's very easy you know, I meet someone in the street and they say, what do you do? I'm, I'm an actor. But actually, you do all sorts of other things. I've done all sorts of other things in my working life. Mm-hmm. And actually, just to pin yourself down to that one tiny little bracket mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a great thing. But I think maybe actors have had their day jobs, you know, in on the quiet. And it's always been like, oh, well, I've got my day job, but I don't really want anyone to know because it's almost like I haven't succeeded at being an actor but everybody it doesn't matter how many West End shows you've done everybody is having to find another option right now Mm. Um, and there are I have countless colleagues who are working in Tesco's and Lidl's and Sainsbury's and Mm. doing all sorts of things and I hope as a result of Covid that that's acknowledged as a skill it's a Mm. it's you're versatile because you're working a way around a very competitive industry and it's not it's not a weakness to mm. not to you know we don't you don't just have to be acting to be successful mm-hmm. as a creative person yeah that's um, I think that's such a valuable thing that you've said just there I really really do because I think you're right I think I think we have it, it is a way of thinking isn't it about acting and and actually what you're saying is that it's okay to be doing other things and actually um, you know, if we really think about it, it is so competitive. It, it, you know, I, I think I was um, I was reading something a couple of years back about the percentages. I can't even remember what they were now, but you know, it was it was like only as I mean, the, the vast majority of people who are acting are usually doing something else as well, whether it's teaching or you know, yeah. dancing or commercials or I, I don't know. You know, they're doing other things. They're not just doing that one thing. And and it's only a very small percentage who actually, uh, you know, earn a decent living from, from it. Yeah. And, and a decent living for years and years and years as well. But, you know, when I was in the mousetrap, I didn't need to do another job. But how many people go from show to show to show to show without yeah. any gap? Just, I mean, just yes. logistic. Just logistically, it's almost impossible to manage that. Um, we were due to finish on the mousetrap at the end of November, so it was too late to do Panto, but no tours going to start in December because of Panto. So, like, just practically, it, it's just you've got yeah. to kind of think about those things. Yeah, because how would you, I guess if you're, if you're in the middle of something, how do you then audition for the next thing? 
Yeah, I mean, in a West End show, easier yeah. because you're in London. Yeah. On a tour, it's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think just acknowledging that. And also, you know, there are actors, you know, who have families and home mm-hmm. commitments. And that's not a weakness. You no. know, you don't have, you know, I think there's a kind of, oh, I give everything. I give my whole soul to the industry. And I don't know. I, I'm not totally convinced that's a healthy way yeah. to be living. And, and there's a difference between being committed um, and focused or just completely submerged in it the whole time. And, and actually, you know, if we want people to stay in the industry long term, which we do because we want it to be sustainable and, and all that kind of thing, you've got to understand that people are not going to be able to always drop everything at mm. 12 hours notice. Yes. Um, yes. And, and I, and I hope that's a lesson maybe we've learned from COVID mm. that, you know, that the juggling is a very real thing for, I mean, for everybody, not just actors, musicians, casting directors, dancers, yes. writers, yes. the lot. Um, and that, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm definitely going to make an effort. So sometimes I work as a writer and, when I'm arranging rehearsals and castings from now on, mm. I am definitely going to be aware of saying to someone, one, giving them adequate notice and two saying, look, if this doesn't work for you because you've got kids or whatever, mm. like, you know, email me and we'll, we'll try and make it work rather yeah. than saying that like, your audition is at 9am on Monday, too bad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And if you're not there, you've missed it kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think, I think all of this does give, all of us more insight into the profession. I mean, I think, you know, as somebody who goes to the theatre and as an audience member, I, I kind of learned this because I did, I actually did manage to get to a show last year, but I also bought tickets for a couple of things um, that were going to happen and then didn't happen. And so one of them, you know, I'd get an email saying, oh, you know, we can't, you know, we can't form, you can't, can't do this performance now, but uh, we're going to do it in a few weeks' time. We'll shift the ticket. And then obviously, you know, a few weeks went yeah. by and it was like, okay, we'll shift it again. But then it got to the point where it was obvious that they were going to have to cancel the whole thing. And it did make me think because I, it suddenly sort of came home to me that actually, of course, you have to cancel the whole thing. Because if you don't know when you're going to be able to inform it again, you can't plan for everyone to rehearse and you know people it's not like actors just turn up and you know perform you have to rehearse and you have to prepare everything and you have to you know and and I think as as audience members as receivers of theatre we don't really we don't really necessarily understand that you know and 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 I just that was a bit of an insight to me I thought oh gosh of, of course you know and then I thought oh my goodness they've had to cancel this and they literally cannot put it on again until who knows when and when they do they've got to factor yeah. in x number of weeks for rehearsals and you know and it just yeah. really think wow this is quite complicated yeah, and I do feel that for the producers as well because they're yeah. often la- they're often labelled as the bad guy, particularly by actors. They're often labelled as the bad guy because they're the people who don't want to pay you. Um, <laughs> but I do feel for them, like you know, how on earth do you plan? I mean, they cost mm. hundreds of thousands of pounds, if not millions of pounds, to put on these shows, and you know, how do you plan for something that you don't 
know is going to be okay. I mean, uh, Christmas was a really good example in that yeah. some of the shows opened in London socially distanced and then we got put into tier four and they had to shut. And, you know, that was the right decision because, mm. you know, the COVID pandemic was getting out of control. But I really felt for people involved in mm. that. They, they'd given up other jobs. They'd moved back to London. They'd gambled financially. I mean, I just... I, I knew I know a couple of people that that mm. happened to and and I I really felt for them because mm. that I think is maybe even worse than the first time around <laughs> in a way yeah because it's like you've sort of got yourself ready and then I think because there was some shows that only open for one night and yeah and yeah so looking ahead as, as much as one possibly I mean it's a bit difficult but um you know, how, how do you see the industry evolving as we eventually move out of this pandemic or emerge from the pandemic as this is emerging? Um, how do you see it evolving? I think, so it's hard to see. I think it's more what I hope. Yes. <laughs> um, but, so yeah, we talked about it being a bit more understanding. Um, I hope we've become more digitally aware um, the digital content I actually think has been quite good generally and has progressed through COVID. Um, a director friend of mine, Adam Lenson, has been putting some amazing digital content out. So he's been putting on shows that have written specifically for being performed online. So they're not just a filmed version of a live show, which is amazing. Mm. Um, and like for me, I've been able to access dance class online, a ballet class. I still take several ballet classes a week. It's what, you know, it's what I do. It keeps me fit, it keeps me happy. Um, when I was on tour, I couldn't access an online ballet class, you know, to save my life. It was impossible. Uh, and it's near enough impossible to find a professional level class outside London or Manchester, especially in the daytime, <laughs> um, because obviously the evenings are out. So I hope that continues in some way, because I think for actors on tour, that's really important. Um, yeah. And yeah, no, I think that's that's great. And I hope that um, carries on. Um, and I also think it's time for us to revisit some old traditions in the theatre that maybe need refreshing. Um, so one example of that is how touring accommodation works. So essentially for actors, if it's within the UK, you get given a touring allowance each week and it is your issue to find where you're going to live. Mm -hmm. um, and there are digs lists which are like rooms in people's houses or you can go down the airbnb routes or a mixture of all of those i don't think that's sustainable post covid mm -hmm. um i certainly lots of actors almost everybody i know who was on a tour had massive issues getting money back off of accommodation booked mm. um is it really going to be safe post covid to go and like rent a room in somebody's house and all the mixing and social distancing and all because I think realistically that's going to be with us for a while yes mm -hmm. even when the theatres reopen there are going to be COVID restrictions in place whether it's masks or social distancing yeah. or, or whatever that is so I think maybe it's time for us to revisit some of those traditions mm -hmm. and have a look at what happens in other countries mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. see if we can find a better solution Mm. Um, and, and we've got time to do it at the moment. Yes. Um, you know, if, if one thing COVID has given us, it's time. Mm. Um, so I, I'm hoping that there's going to be some of those discussions with equity, which is kind of the performers, the actors union. Um, so, yeah, I think like hopefully it will just 
push us, I guess, into the future. It's very easy because we love tradition in the theatre. <laughs> There's lots of, you know, traditions and um, sort of myths and secrecy and um, all those sorts of things. And, and that's great. It forms part of what, you know, people go to the theatre for. They love going in these old buildings and feeling yeah. the atmosphere. But maybe as people who actually work in it, we also have to move with the times mm-hmm. and, it, and, and it's easy to get stuck. Yes. Um, um, so, yeah. So I'm hoping that maybe some of those conversations are going to come about as a result of COVID. Yeah. Oh, um, and um, is there anything that you've got sort of coming up next or, or anything that you're planning for? Are you auditioning for anything at the moment? Are you hoping to... So, I'm still auditioning for bits of film and television when they come up. Then they're, yeah. they're pretty few and far between, understandably, because it's it's still a risk for them getting people onto a set. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, my agent's lovely, and, and she and she still submits me for that. Um, I actually wrote a version, a musical version of the children's story, Five Children in It, with a colleague and friend of mine um, several years ago now, and we put it on at the youth theatre that I was directing at the time. And we have been trying to get a second draft done for the last couple of years. And we were doing quite well. And then COVID happened. And I think I, I just said that COVID gives us time, but for some reason it has not in that me and the writing have slowed to a gradual halt. <laughs> um, so I hope to kind of get back on that. Yeah on that on the trolley but I think I've learned that I need a deadline like I'm a sort of person that needs I'm a very well organized person but I need a deadline I need the kind of threat of it's going to be on in July so you better get it done yeah um so yeah so I kind of that's in like the immediate future and to pass my physiotherapy exams (laughs) when will you qualify um so I will officially qualify in about May or June 2022. Um, right. okay. So basically I do this year at university and then I do a year of placement mm-hmm. blocks. So yeah. there'll be a block and a break and a block and a break. Um, so hopefully, because my kind of, it sounds a bit depressing, but my kind of theory is that I'm not convinced that it will truly recover for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I think we'll get open. I think we'll get open socially distanced. I'd love to pick up a theatre job in the summer because as with all universities, we have a ridiculously long summer break um, and it'd be nice to fit a theatre job in there. Yeah. Um, but, and, and maybe, a, and maybe a, Christmas, a Christmas show, that's mm-hmm. probably doable. Um, but in terms of like truly recovered, like everything back on the road, going to a theatre without thinking about it, yes. I really, I think we're looking at 12 months. Yes. So yeah. hopefully that will fall quite nicely yes. into um, into place, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And so just to finish, finish up, what would be, um, if you if you could give sort of three tips, to our listeners um if someone's feeling kind of a bit stuck or feeling like you know they're not quite sure what they should be doing um or maybe they've just been working from home for months and months and months and uh you know feel a bit demotivated what 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 do you think what could be three things that might help that, that people could do i would start i honestly would start something new and i don't think that matters if it's small or large like it could be 
I've never planted carrots in my garden before and I am going to grow some this year. Or it could be I'm going to take on a whole new master's in a profession. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, I think having something new to focus on and that's and that's truly challenging. And I think that's kind of the caveat of that is that it's got to be something you don't know that you can achieve. Um, and it really gives you kind of a like inner fire to really go for it. Um, so that would be my first thing. Secondly, look around and see what you have, because actually people have a lot more than they think they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am aware that things are horrible financially for some people right now, myself included. <laughs> um, but uh, actually, like, look around and see what you have. And the chances are you've got maybe some lovely family, some friends, a pet, your health, you know, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And, and just like take t- take the COVID time gift you've been given and think, oh, just uh, like a little moment to mm. appreciate that. And yeah, be brave is my last one. Like, go for it. Like, if there's mm. something that, if there's something burning you want to do, like, go for it. Be safe, obviously, because of COVID, <laughs> but go for it. Um, and I don't know, I don't think you can regret that ever. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Some great tips there. Thank you so much. So if our listeners want to, to know more about you, um, where can they find find you? Do you have a website or, or a... So yeah, the best way to find me is probably on Twitter or on Instagram. Okay. Um, it, it's essentially just my name, Francesca Peplo. I'm lucky to have quite an unusual surname, so you can't <laughs> go wrong if you type it in. Um, yeah. And that will take you um, to the spotlight link, which is kind of my actor CV, or yeah. it'll give you some, you know, feel free to give me a message on there. Um, I'm pretty friendly and open. Um, and yeah, also provide you with like, my agent's contact number if, if you didn't feel comfortable approaching me, but they wanted to approach them instead. Um, they're Great. also a lovely one. Um, so yeah, no, that's probably the best way to keep up with me. Thank you. And we'll make sure that um, those links are in the show notes for our listeners to access. Um, and I just want to thank you, Francesca, for being on the show and being such a lovely, inspirational guest for us today. Oh, no, thank you very much for inviting me. It's been a lovely morning. It's brightened my Friday up immensely. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your podcast player or on YouTube. And if you can leave us a positive review, we really appreciate it. If you want more support, tips and ideas to strengthen these skills, go to the website unimenta.com where you can take part in live masterclasses, self-access online modules and download lots of free resources. Get the book, Seven Skills for the Future, in all major bookstores and on Amazon. And why not get yourself a copy of the 777 Journal to transform your life in just seven weeks through daily journaling practice.